0: Welcome to Conversations That Matter, where we ask questions, explore topics, and shine a light on what's truly important.
1: Uh, hi, this is uh, Rick Madison. I'm here with Pierre Polyev. Welcome, sir. Thank and you. Jim Check. Uh welcome again. Thank you. So what we're going to do is we're just going to do a free-for-all with questions, your schedule is tight, as we all know, but uh, interested to, to hear more from you. And uh, you just finished a, a very nice platform chat here, and we're gonna expand on that. So Jim, why don't you lead us off?
0: So I've been watching some of the video online and stuff of, of some of the events you've had. The reaction you're getting across Canada has even some of the national journalists kind of questioning your campaign, like how, how are you getting that reaction? And they seem baffled. What do you credit that reception to?
2: People want to take back control of their lives. They felt like they've lost that control. Uh, whether it's the 14-year-old girl who's depressed after two years cut off from sporting and social activities, the small business guy who mortgaged his house only to face, you know, six shutdowns by government uh, until he couldn't open anymore, uh, the trucker who was called a hero for. Two years, while he delivered our essentials over the border without a vaccine, all of a sudden became a villain uh, because uh, the prime minister brought in a new mandate when all the other mandates were being lifted and uh, did it on the very people who are least likely to spread a virus, the, those that are all alone in a cab of a truck by themselves all day. Um, or, you know, the the lady I met in New Brunswick who got a phone call that her mother was dying in Ontario but she couldn't fly to see her so she had to drive 20 hours, much of it through freezing rain and night just to get there for a few minutes before to say goodbye. Uh, people feel like they're losing control of their economic lives, uh, you, whether you're the 32-year-old kid living in, 32-year-old adult living in your parents' basement. Because you can't afford the $868,000 it costs for the average house or the single mom who's now skipping meals so your kids don't have to. Uh, you feel like you've lost control of what you eat, where you go, where you live. All of these freedoms have vanished uh, as a result of a massive, uh, big, bossy government. And I am standing up to that government. I am championing people's freedoms, the purpose for my candidacy is to give people back control of their lives by making Canada the freest country on earth and that's why i'm attracting such large crowds
1: uh Pierre, i have to ask you this and <laughs> are you for real like i mean it you give me a genuine hope that there is going to be somebody that stands up and and really gives canadians a brighter future and and it just like i'm <laughs> I'm, I'm a fan but are you for real? Like, I, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of blown away with, you know, you're resonating with a lot of Canadians.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, the answer is yes, but you can, of course, every politician would say that. So I guess the question you then have to ask is, well, how can you verify it? Uh, the answer is to look at my track record. I really haven't changed any of my views um, on the major core principles of, uh, of politics for the last 20 years. I've been on the public record now since I was about 19 years old. And I'll tell you a funny story. When I launched my prime ministerial campaign, um, I gave a speech uh, video in my basement. And this journalist called me and she said, you know, I looked up an old essay you wrote when you were 19 years old to win a scholarship, and it was the as prime minister scholarship. And she said, I read your essay from that, you know, back in 1999 or whatever it was, and you said the exact same thing then as you said in your launch for your candidacy for prime minister today. Um, and, and she said, don't you find that bizarre that you've changed so little? I said, no, I think it's actually good because it shows that my agenda is re- grounded in deeply held uh, principles that, I, that I've that i held since I was a teenager. Um, and um, so this is who I am. Not everyone's going to love it. They can take it or leave it. But I think it's what we need right now for this country.
0: I'm probably going to get myself in trouble here. But when I watched that video, I actually got emotional and my eyes welled up. I mean, I was that happy that you decided that you were going to do it. So thank you. That must be a big commitment for your family, though. That must be like when you decided to do this, like you just said, you're up at three in the morning, you're going till till midnight and then you're obviously you're taking time away from your family. What drives you to do this? Like what, what? in your family too, there must be some type of thing that that you want to get done.
2: I really believe in it. I, I really do. I, my like, my the core belief for my entire life is free will, the idea that each one of us has, should have, the ability to make decisions for ourselves and live with the rewards or consequences of those decisions. Um, I believe that. Um, you know, if, 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 if man is not capable of governing himself, he's surely not capable of governing others. Uh, and so, uh, and right now we have a government that believes it can decide for everyone else. Decide your medical decisions, your decide what to do with your money, uh, decide what you should see and say on the internet. And that is fundamentally the opposite of what I believe. And I don't see anyone else who will, either, either has the will or the ability to reverse that and to restore people's sense of personal agency uh, to make them masters of their own destinies again. Um, And so I believe in that deeply and profoundly and that's what keeps me going through the hardship. That's what helps me to to justify being away from my seven-month-old son and my three-year-old daughter whom I miss very badly. And last night I really missed them. You know, I just kept thinking of them as I was shaking hands with people at our rally, thinking, you know, I I I am spending more time with each of these people than I am with my kids tonight, um, but. Um, the way I justify that is that I'm doing something that I fundamentally believe in.
0: Well, I, I have to say I'm, thank you for, to your family for making that yeah. sacrifice for, for many Canadians because I think, like what Rick was saying, you give us real hope that there's somebody that will answer to Canadians when questions are asked, and I right. think that's what we're not getting out of the current government. They will not answer questions, will not answer to scandals, will not answer to a lot of things, and I think what we really want is that respect that we will be answered to.
2: Absolutely, and uh, look—the word "minister" means servant, and the prime minister is supposed to be the first servant. And uh, that's what that—that's important because in our country, the state is the servant and not the master. At least that's how it's supposed to be. And I want to restore that and give people the ability to make their own decisions and hold their government accountable. Uh, and I think, and, and we're going to do that. I fundamentally believe that the foundations of this country are stronger than the temporary flaws of politicians. And that's why our system has survived 800 years. We've had horrible politicians in in the British system uh, all around the world over 800 years, but somehow they're all gone, they've all died off uh, with, with, the, with the ages, but the, this, the fundamental principle of our parliamentary system uh, remains intact.
1: Mm-hmm. So as we've indicated, there's, uh, the East seems to carry a big stick when it comes to elections. The election results uh, surprised a lot of Western provinces. Uh, how do you hope to achieve office if if the East seems to, like? can you win in the East, I
2: guess, is the, the big question. Well, I have seven times. I mean, a lot of people forget, because c- I'm from Calgary, they forget that I'm actually elected in an Ottawa riding. So I, I'm the only conservative that is elected in the nation's capital. There's seven liberals, one conservative. I beat the defense minister when I was 25 years old. I twice got the highest vote count of any politician in all of Ontario. Um, And in the last three elections, I've been the only conservative to win in uh, the nation's capital. A small government conservative in a big government town. So I know how to win elections in the, the, the Ontario suburbs. And now I need to replicate that across the province in order to push us over the top and win a majority government. gotta be done.
0: How important is energy security to Canadians?
2: Oh, it's essential. You can't be a free country without energy security. And the irony is that we have no excuse. Like there are some countries where they could say, we just don't have the resources. But in Canada, we have the third biggest supply of petroleum on planet Earth. We have 1,300 trillion cubic feet of natural gas. And yet we're importing 130,000 barrels a day from overseas, which is a million, almost a million barrels a week. Most of it from Saudi Arabia and Nigeria and a few other countries. Um, So uh, I'm going to restore energy security by repealing the anti-energy law C-69 so we can get pipelines and mines built. Uh, I'm going to support Newfoundland's uh, ambition to increase its output of oil by 400,000 barrels a day, which will allow us to fully displace all of the overseas oil that we're bringing into the St. John refinery in New Brunswick with the goal of of totally banning overseas uh, oil from Canada uh, within five years so that we can be completely reliant on our own uh, North American energy. Uh, I'm also going to pressure the Americans uh, to wake up and approve the Keystone Pipeline instead of trying to buy more oil from Venezuela or deplete their strategic reserves. And here in British Columbia, we should we should have five or six li- uh, natural gas liquefaction projects up and running in order to displace uh, Asian coal burning uh, uh, and by liquefying and shipping uh, to that uh, part of the world. We have the closest De- place in all of North America to Asia right here in British Columbia and Newfoundland is the closest place to Europe in all of North America so we have an, an advantage of distance um, and an advantage of resources let's deploy it and uh, bring the money and the jobs home
0: yeah we have a, a great resources in the mining sector I was a mine site controller for a while too Yeah, I just think that lots of times Canadians are made to feel embarrassed about our resource sector yeah in mining and oil and gas, and and you know, like from Saskatchewan, Quebec, Ontario, really rich in mining, British Columbia. So yeah, that's that's good news for mining yeah, and, and oil and gas
2: and and uranium
1: for nuclear. Yeah, and so. Saskatchewan. Well, it would be uh, a wonderful Canada if we can even build a pipeline. Yes. Um, Imagine that. <laughs> Is this a country or not? Conservatives uh, do tend to attract fringe interests and and I think it's important to not be distracted by the fringe interests. so how do you how do you unify the party? How do you keep that singular voice and, and push forward?
2: I like your use of the word singular because I was asked when you're trying to unite disparate voices, you have to ask what do they all have in common and the singular principle they all share is freedom. So let me break that down. Uh, Social conservatives want the freedom to raise their kids with traditional values and to preach their faith in the public square without censorship. Fiscal conservatives want the freedom to control their own money and to open and start businesses without government getting in the way. Um, Progressive conservatives want women, gays, minorities, First Nations to have the freedom to live without discrimination, to make their own decisions without government uh, holding them back. Um, Libertarian conservatives want the freedom, mostly right now freedom on the internet, to speak freely and to trade in um, new forms of money like Bitcoin. Uh, And of course rural and firearms conservatives want the freedom to own their property without undue confiscation uh, by the government. So all of them, they all disagree on a lot, there's no question. and We could list all the things that they disagree about, hot button issues. But the one thing they all agree on is freedom. And so that would be the unifying principle around which I would unite uh, the Conservative Caucus and uh, membership.
1: Okay. Because I, I do think that has been one of the, the factors that um, unfortunately cost uh, Aaron O'Toole um, yeah. was he was pulled in in some directions for sure. Um, so we have SNC-Lavalin, we have the We Charity scandal, Justin Trudeau, Still managed to stay in power. How does how does one um, overcome a seemingly forgetful Canadian voter? Mm. Like how do you how do you overcome that?
2: Well, the, the the first thing is that the the job of the leader of the opposition is to be the chief prosecutor of the government. You need to be able to prosecute, and um, we uh, we haven't done as good a job of that as I think we can. Um, And how do you prosecute? It's not by hurling insults at the government. It's by asking, piercing, direct black-and-white questions. How much? On what date? Where? When? Those sorts of basic questions for which there is a limited factual answer. And the answer is often the one they want to hide. So my approach is to use the Socratic method of asking very simple, direct questions that deliver the answers that... uh, um, would um, prosecute the government for its wrongdoing. Um, and if they fail to answer, then the, it is evidence to all those watching that they're hiding something. I think that's how you prosecute their, their their scandals and keep them in the news. The second thing is we need to be relentlessly focused on the issue that matters most to Canadians, which right now is uh, the cost of living, mm-hmm. by far. It's it's not any I mean, The media is reporting on everything else, but... However, right now the biggest issue is that you've got you got full-grown adults stuck living in their parents' basements, or they're renting substandard housing, um, and they can't ever save up for a down payment. And that's not just like you know, like if it were just the price of lettuce that were high, or the price of automobiles that would be high, that would be an irritant. But a house is what you need to have kids. It's actually what you need to even. Have a dating life. I mean, how do you how do you date when you don't have your own place and you're 30? Like you call your mom and say, can you have some cookies and milk out because I'm bringing my date home? Like how does that actually work? <laughs> um, how do you save up for retirement if you're not building net equity in your property but instead just paying all of your income to someone else's property? How do you build up a credit history to borrow for a future small business? How do you develop collateral for a future? You can't do any of the things that are necessary in our society without having the chance to own a home. So we're we're destroying not only the economic lives of our working class youth, but also the psychological underpinning of uh, personal security that comes with having a home, your own little castle, right? And so um, I think that issue, we have to relentlessly hammer home our plan to incentivize municipalities to build, to, to free up more Building permits, so we have build more homes and stop printing money. So house prices moderate and the dream of home ownership is rekindled.
0: I look at inflation as um, it benefits the wealthy and it, yes. and it really hurts most everybody else, yes. and that's the the toughest part about it. So, um, and I and I've heard you say that as well. Inflation is a friend of the rich and an enemy of the. The rest of the people really. Yes. And I don't want to keep you too long, but um, I think we're probably running out of time, and I got a tight schedule. Is there any message that you want to share? Maybe Rick has the last question that you want to share with people of British Columbia or Kelowna.
2: I will. Why don't you ask your last question, then? We'll, then I'll 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 do a bit of an ensemble.
1: And 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 first, uh, I want to speak to the fact that thank you for having a calculator in Ottawa. Right. Like I, I do. <laughs> Most of the calculators in Ottawa these days don't
2: work, and
1: they've got a malfunction on them. I really appreciate so. that. Um, so we, we could talk about the NDP and, and signing on with supporting the Liberal government. But yeah. instead, this one is is really interesting to me. What initiatives start immediately upon taking office? You've touched on it today. But, you know, if, if you want to, so you are a new prime
2: minister. What do you start doing that day? Well, um, at the very beginning, I would introduce legislation to cancel all of the censorship uh, the government is imposing on the Internet. Uh, I would um, put forward a plan to defund the CBC um, to um, bring forward a budget that cuts back uh, on the wasteful spending and gets us on a path towards balanced budget. Uh, And um, I would uh, immediately begin work with uh, the Bank of Canada to restore its mandate of keeping inflation low uh, rather than uh, printing money for politicians and the, uh, and the wealthy. So those are some of the things we would immediately start moving on uh, when I point my cabinet and send them their mandate letters. I want to do a standing O for that <laughs> one. <laughs> Thank you. Well, why don't you want to save it until we get started. When, when, I, when you see those mandate letters go out in the first three weeks of my prime ministership, then, then we'll do the standing O then.
0: We'll be there. We'll show up. All right. I,
2: I look forward to that. Do you have any final
0: thoughts for, that you'd like to share with,
2: with... Well, just great to be back in my home region, Western Canada. As, as I said in my remarks earlier, born and raised in Calgary. I know you have a lot of Calgarians here in Kelowna. Uh, and uh, I think, uh, as I said earlier, uh, Albertans feel like... Uh, the okanagan is actually part of alberta <laughs> uh, i'm not sure everyone would agree but uh it's the one monos- i actually think it's one of the most beautiful I love places Cowtown. on earth my
0: daughter lives there she's a nurse out in calgary which and, hospital uh foothills foothills okay she's in NICU.
2: i think i was born at the rocky view i, okay. I have to confirm that but uh her
0: and her, and her boyfriend were going to drive out here but then he had to he's works on the oil rigs so. well
2: i'm going to be out in calgary uh, next week so awesome hopefully so i'll see come them see there. there yeah we're gonna be at spruce meadows Awesome. So uh, where we used, when I was a kid growing up in Shaughnessy, we used to ride my bike over there and uh, break onto the property and ride around in the horse tracks. Uh, <laughs> and Nancy Southern even caught us there once we were about 11 years old because we were about 15 minutes away but anyway, I'm rambling now. but it's great to be back in the West you know as, as they say you can take the boy out of the West but never the west out of the boy. Uh, and I want Westerners to feel hopeful about their future. Uh, we're gonna rekindle re- uh, the entrepreneurial spirit and put people back in charge in their, of their lives, uh, and this will be a real con- a country that everyone can be proud of and feel feel a, a sense of uh, ownership with uh, when we uh, take office and, and make this the freest country on earth. Uh, I want to thank you, uh, Pierre Polyev, for
1: being real. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. I'm so happy you're real. Uh, Jim Check, thank you again for the time, and uh, yeah, good luck with Good luck with the the whole campaign, and and like I said, I really hope uh, you can crack that that Ottawa office.
2: Thank you very much. Uh, off to the races, and I appreciate you hosting me, and I look forward to seeing you on the on the trail.
0: When you uh, take the office, we'll do a road trip. We'll be there. You're gonna yeah. drive all the way out. We'll fly. We'll fly. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I used to drive to Saskatchewan. My daughter went to school in Notre Dame, so that's not even halfway. So. <laughs> Right. So I'll fly. It's
2: a big country we have. Well, it's we'll look forward to country. welcoming you in the nation's right. capital. Thank you again. Thank you for having
0: me. If you have any topics you would like to hear a conversation on, email us at podcasts at nowmediagroup.ca.
1: This podcast brought to you in part by Canada's DebtSolution.ca. That's Canada's DebtSolution.ca. On it, you will find a 20-minute documentary on Canadian energy that explains how Canada can help pay down its federal debt.